Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I feel good, Anna. And it's good to be together. Always. Oh, it, it certainly is, Dr. Jane. Lots to think about following our conversation, exploring how we relate to the metaverse from last week. You know, we're so easily lured away from our ordinary lives by seductive distractions, which show up everywhere, as you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Those sweet escapes, Dr. Jane. Oh, my goodness. You know, taking time to watch my thoughts was helpful, too. And I recognized that that moment of observation, how far I'd been pulled away and what was doing the pulling. Sometimes it, it was like weird lures. You know, I found myself saying repeatedly, where did that come from? Oh, yes, Anna, I can identify. You know, and we're not wanting to make it sound like evil is lurking everywhere waiting to seduce us. You know, this isn't about judging. You know, we have no control over what sh thought shows up in the moment. It's all very spontaneous. You know, it's what we do next that is well within our control. You know, the many distractions, you know, bait our attention and fuel the thought stream. You know, in this infinite array of enticing distractions, you know, it has the potential to interfere with our growth and our quest to be the best version of ourselves. You know, so it's, it's only by developing present moment awareness skills that we can clearly hear the hero's call, you know, identify where we are and what we need to do so that we can follow that call. Yes, and we've also discussed how barriers from our past, you know, obsolete beliefs, old taboos, excuses, projections, and conditioning often act as barriers to taking right action and moving forward. Now, I see these as blocks to change that can set us up for failure or at the very least set us up to miscalculate what's needed for change. At any rate, we may get fed up with trying, you know, like why bother? It's not going to work. And, and someplace deep inside, we take a kind of loser mentality. Well, I think you're right, Anna. You know, and once we take on that loser identity, the shame and the self-recrimination solidify. And so, uh, you know, th they can be so depleting that action ceases to be an option. Yes, I can see it. And we stop investing any energy in getting unstuck or changing and have a whole cache of excuses. <laughs> and we even yeah. say that we never wanted it to happen in the first place. Well, true. You know, and it might be that we're merely targeting the wrong behavior or thought process in trying to activate change, you know, or we might have missed a step, you know, or, or most importantly, we may have overlooked our relationship to the behavior. You know, what was it providing for us? What felt good or right about it? You know, and, and when we try to detach, what did, what did we tell ourselves that allowed us to resume the behavior? You know, or if we caved and said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't care. This is too hard. It's boring. It's useless. What part of us didn't want to continue the change process? Yes, what a lonely place. It's like it yeah. unhinges our self-confidence and self-esteem. It's no wonder that some form of escape looks and feels inviting. Yes. You know, and so often it's it's a case of wanting to medicate the helplessness that we're experiencing. Helplessness. Oh my goodness, Dr. Jane, that really fits. Let's talk a little more about that. 
Sure, Anna. You know, this is an interesting phenomenon. You know, uh, let's look at the concept of learned helplessness. You know, this hopefully can assist us in, in putting it in context. You know, this is a model that I first studied in graduate school, and it made such an incredible impact on me at the time and since then as well. So the term learned helplessness comes from an experimental study which involved dogs in a pen. And the floor of the pen was an electrical grate, which was controlled by the experimenters. And the dogs were put in the pen, and the dogs were trained to turn off a mild flow of current um, by pressing buttons and levers and doing, oh gosh, a whole myriad of tricks. And the animals learned very, very quickly and managed to to, uh, have the current off most of the time that they were in the pen. But then the experimenters kind of did a, a switch, you know, and they turned on the current. And no matter what the dogs did to eliminate and and really, you know, turn that down, um, turn down the electrical current and their own discomfort, nothing worked. Oh, my goodness. This sounds so cruel. Those poor dogs. How did they react? Well, you know, Anna, they laid down on the metal grate with the, with the current running. They gave up. You oh know, and gosh. this pattern shows up in various ways in the human arena as well. When we're in situations where we're not able to alter what's going on, no matter what we try, we throw in the towel, we give up, you know, and, and often we give up on ourselves. So for the person who continues to feel defeated in their attempts to change, it's clear that throwing in the towel or giving up and giving in would be the path of least resistance. Well, sure. You know, an example of this that many of us have experienced is burnout, you know, mm-hmm. Yes. Could be burnout of our jobs, volunteer work, or, or even relationships. You know, we may have been very idealistic and enthusiastic at the start. Yet as time goes on, you know, if we find ourselves in a position of no matter what we attempt to do, it's not accepted or appreciated or acknowledged, you know, we're, we'll likely experience the dwindling of, of our vitality, our zest, our creativity. Oh, I get it. It's it's like someone has siphoned the energy out of us. You know, we just don't have it to give anymore. We give up. Yes. And so often we give up on ourselves when this happens. I mean, it, it's it's because there's an old inner sense sometimes that arises of not being enough, being deficient or defective. You know, it, it kind of shows up seemingly out of nowhere. And this self-loathing sets us up to want to escape or medicate you know, disappear from the uncomfortable feelings and the negative thinking that takes over. So it, it's, I, I think of it as kind of a form of psychic system shutdown. You know, it's a disconnect from ourselves. And this sometimes, you know, there's sometimes an, an element of self-punishment in the process. You know, we think we don't deserve to feel better. We think we don't deserve to try to lift ourselves up or redeem ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and in this disconnection, we aren't really sometimes aware of what we're doing. You know, we just know that we feel funky and we're likely to project the shame and the blame outward onto others and, and into our lives. You know, so much of the process can can be at least in part unconscious, kind of outside of our awareness. Well, it seems to me that hopelessness enters in here somewhere. You know, I mean, if we've arrived at a place where no matter what we say or do will make a difference we've given up on ourselves. You know, we may be punishing ourselves with negativity or unhealthy behaviors. We're depleted. Well, you're spot on, Anna. 
You know, hope is that energy quality of anticipation that's mixed with desire, you know, and the expectation that the desire will eventually be fulfilled. So this energy is often the fuel for our optimism and confidence, our our faith and trust, the beliefs, and our connection with others. You know, so with hope, we feel less less helpless, less Mm -hmm. stressed. You know, the the hope increases our happiness and our our quality of life. Well, it sounds like food for the soul. (laughs) Well, you know, Anna, that's a lovely frame for it. Mm. Oh, so uh, do we get there? I mean, you know, how do we get there? (laughs) Can we we get there from that point of depletion? Well, you know, sometimes we get there from, from hearing the hero's call. You know, there are times that the call shakes us out of the stupor of complacency and disconnection. You know, sometimes the call awakens the belief or the value that we might have lost sight of when we gave up on ourselves. You know, or, or sometimes the call is bigger and beyond the personal, you know, mm-hmm. and points to a greater good, you know, and, and it, it, it takes on any shape or, or any size. And, and all of a sudden we notice it. Wow. Yeah. And many times we refuse the call. That's one of the key elements in that model of human potential. Well, that's right. You know, and the call is persistent. You know, it, it, it doesn't give up. But if we can't hear it, we may miss the opportunity that it holds for us. So as we feel the stirrings, you know, we need to assist to bring it into full consciousness. You know, and the best way to grasp it and to interpret it is, you're not going to be surprised with this, present moment <laughs> awareness. And also sacred inquiry. You know, we've talked about these elements frequently in our conversations. You know, it's it's starting with the sensations, the feelings, the hunches, you know, as they arise. And and this is the present moment awareness. You know, we're not trying to interpret anything. We're just staying with whatever is showing up in our awareness. And the sacred inquiry is when we turn toward ourselves, holding ourselves in this process with openness and kindness and curiosity. We're not running after answers. We're letting what is happening reveal itself to us. Well, Dr. Jane, how do we know if it's working? Well, one dimension that becomes more pronounced as we hold our experience in this loving, accepting way is that there's a a real sense of discernment that surfaces to guide us. Discernment? I mean, but we're not judging, right? No, we're not judging. The discernment that's most helpful is more in line with insight and wisdom. So it can involve judgment, you know, bringing to light features that that weren't initially obvious, you know, or at least not in the sense of right or wrong necessarily. It's more of assessing the options and discovering which of the options align with right action, which, which of the mm-hmm. options align with the best version of ourselves. Dr. Jane, let's talk examples, you know, keeping with our thread today. (laughs) I'm going to use this example. I'm in a funky place. I've given up on myself, feeling helpless and hopeless. I feel the stirrings of the call. What might come up for me in my present moment awareness that would provide a shift or maybe renew my hope? Well, good question, Anna. You know, there's the possibility that you would tap into discernment 
your own discernment of helplessness, but but also possibly a sense of powerlessness. So it's it becomes discernment of helplessness versus powerlessness. Okay, well, you have my full attention now. <laughs> Discerning powerlessness rather than the dead end of helplessness. Please tell me a little bit more about this. Well, sure, Anna. You know, with helplessness, we stand in the position that no matter what we say, do whatever, the situation will never change, so we give up. But what if we assess the same situation, and rather than helplessness, we discover that we're powerless over certain things, yet we could exert change over other things. You know, maybe maybe we could exert some change over ourselves, how we're interpreting the situation, how we're thinking about it. You know, or rather than give up on ourselves, we what if we found ways to distance from the disturbance or set up new boundaries? What if we recognize that we can't change people, we can't change places or things? However, we do have the power over our thoughts and our feelings, our impulses. What if we owned our reactivity and our power to change ourselves? I can feel how that would renew hope. You know, and But what about those who have given up on themselves? Those who have settled for defeat because that was the only option for survival? Well, Anna, believe it or not, I mean, present moment awareness is still the answer. Because so often with mindfulness skills, we come to know on a deep level that we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings or our body sensations. These are all processes moving through us in any moment. So the negativity that set us up to give up on ourselves is a reactive stance at a time that felt like it was the only option for survival. So being open to another interpretation, another truth about how we choose to protect ourselves in, in difficult circumstances, right? Well, and, and you know, Anna, that's it in a nutshell. You know, it's being willing to look at those thought patterns that keep us hostage, keep us in bondage, keep us from the best version of ourselves, you know, keep us from stepping up to the truth and acknowledging the lies that keep us from the call, keep us from the quest to be the best and highest part of ourselves. And? <laughs> well, and, and this is where we say no. We say no to the lies and the excuses. And we let the hope begin to generate, to give us the strength to move forward, you know, out of the prison of our own making. We ask the question, why not me? You know, we set ourselves free. We let the best version of ourselves know that we're back. I'm ready. Show me. You know, this is that entelechy that we talked about in previous conversations. You know, the imperative at this point is to stay as much as we can in mindful awareness so that we can continue to self-discover and make new choices, conscious choices that rewire the brain. Oh, and here we are again with our mindful awareness and the possibility of conscious choices for a new beginning. Yes. You know, and it's also about coming back to the inner guidance, you know, coming back to ourselves, home bases within us. Again, enjoy your favorite distractions. You know, go for it. Yet remember to make a commitment to return home regularly. Come back mm -hmm. to ourselves. There's no place like home, as Dorothy said. You know, th <laughs> and this is where our practices come in. And they keep us grounded and connected to our inner source of guidance. 
So even though the practices feel like they're not impactful in the beginning, they really do make a dramatic difference in the long run. Well, that's right, Anna. You know, and and we have to give them a fair chance. I mean, mm-hmm. we've recommended concentration practices to start with focused attention on the breath, body sensations in the body. You know, we're developing that observer self part of consciousness. You know, and this skill allows us to see what's happening in the moment as it's playing out. And it gives us kind of an, I like to think of it as kind of an insider's view of what's taking place and why. Well, Dr. Jane, what might we focus on this week? Well, Anna, I always, I always want to include the fundamental practices of focused attention, you know, tracking the breath, tracking the body sensations, you know, so the welcoming breath, the breath of body, You know, I also think continuing to watch our thoughts, you know, this is incredibly important. You know, it's really an imperative because we begin to see our thought stream is spontaneous. It's not factual. We have no control over what thought shows up next. In fact, we're we're often surprised. You know, our thoughts are mental events moving through our consciousness. They are things, things drifting by. What we do have control over is whether we latch on to those thoughts within the thought stream and what happens next. So practice, 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 right? Staying in present moment awareness and watching what shows up. Anything else? Well, yes, Anna. Pardon me. You know, let's also turn toward ourselves and inquire about ways that we might have given up on ourselves. You know, this needs to be done with the utmost kindness and compassion, you know, compassion for the person that we, that maybe we were, or compassion for the circumstances we were in that led up to our throwing in the towel. So we're touching into a painful part of our past in a very loving way. Yes. Gentle, kind, compassionate inquiry. Wow. Well, This has been a wonderful reminder of how very important it is to stay consistent with our practices and be kind and compassionate with ourselves. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Thank you, Anna. Until our next conversation.